Father, it's our joy to sing these songs and to hear these texts familiar to many of us, no doubt, because we never grow tired of the story of Christ becoming one of us and taking on flesh and displaying the glory of God to us in a, a baby on the outskirts of a rural town. It's a story that blows our minds if we think about it, how you would, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of a world that had rejected you, would send your own son to us. And yet, God, we, we stand before you now in, in humbled awe, um, just glad, joyful, eternally glad that you've done so, and um, we thank you, Father, for this, this hope that we have, and we pray tonight as we just look at one aspect of his arrival to the earth, um, that we would be encouraged and comforted at the great victory that he has won for your people, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, if you want to go there, but we're only going to be looking at one verse, so feel free not to turn there. Uh, your choice. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, it's one verse that I think is, in some ways, uh, John's attempt at a like one-sentence summary of the whole Bible um, that we're going to be looking at in light of the Christmas story. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. John writes, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, there are many themes and images that the Christmas season evokes for us, but there is one thing I'm almost certain rarely, if ever, enters our minds or conversations or Christmas cards, and that is the devil. But in this simple sentence that John writes for us in 1 John 3, we have what I believe should become a more regular part of what it is we celebrate and meditate on during the Christmas season. Jesus' arrival, born of a virgin, baby boy, born of a virgin as a baby boy, that fateful night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, destroyed the works of the devil. John simply tells us this is the reason the Son of God appeared 2,000 years ago. I think if the Apostle John were here observing our, our Christmas celebrations today in America, he'd probably call for a little less, I'll be home for Christmas, and a little more... D-Day Normandy invasion imagery to mark the occasion. In any case, it's, it's worthwhile for us to ask, why does he say this in this way? And why should you be excited about this tonight? What John is giving us in this one sentence, this one purpose statement for Jesus' arrival, is the summary of the triumphant conclusion to something that was started all the way back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. If you know the beginnings of creation recounted in Genesis, you'll remember that God created the heavens and the earth and the culmination of his good creation, something he in fact calls very good, was man, human beings, male and female image bearers that he breathed life into and placed into his world to exercise his dominion and care and to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth with more and more image bearers. But we, we know how the story goes, right? It only takes two chapters before everything falls apart. Satan enters the garden as a serpent. 
He manipulated and lied to God's image bearers in order to get them to distrust and disobey God, which they, of course, did. And with them, all humanity fell under the curse, the spell of sin and its power. This has been the work of the devil from the very beginning, as John says. What do you imagine when you think about the devil? Is he real to you? Or is he some cartoonish depiction of exaggerated evil? What this verse shows us is that the devil's power and influence are felt every day. It's a real power because we can and do observe real sin and destruction taking place all around us and within us. In fact, it's so pervasive that this evil perpetrated on us as a human race has almost become commonplace. It's a part of life now. It's just the way things are. And many in our world struggle to comprehend it. Where did it come from? Can it be eradicated? If it's so destructive, why do we keep repeating it? One modern skeptical writer, uh, skeptical of the existence of God, that is, contemplating the evil in the world that we live in, he laments that the decreasing belief in the devil in the modern world hasn't produced a world with any less evil in it. He says, I believe our culture is now in crisis because evil remains an inescapable experience for all of us while we no longer have symbolic language for describing it. Another writer who did, does believe in God, reflecting on his experience during the Rwandan genocide decades ago, he had this to say, I was asked how, after all I had seen and experienced, I could still believe in God. I answered that I know there is a God because in Rwanda I shook hands with the devil. I have seen him, I have smelled him, and I have touched him. I know the devil exists, and therefore I know there is a God. First Peter describes the devil as prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. He is the one who is in the world, and his only desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. The accuser, the Bible calls him, who tries to leave you hopeless in your sin. He leads you to sin, and then he leaves you hopeless in your sin. He's the deceiver, whose aim is to get you to fall into temptation and slavery to sin. But God enters the scene in Genesis 3, and he makes on that faith, fateful day in the Garden of Eden a pronouncement on the devil. He says that there will, from this time forth in history, be enmity, there will be strife, between the seed of the woman, Eve, and the seed of the serpent, the devil. Until the seed of the woman, he says, bruises or crushes the head of the serpent. And so the context for John's words here in 1 John 3 are, are laid out before us from the whole Bible. The stage is set. We are clued in now to be on the lookout in history to find this seed of the woman who will come to crush Satan and to undo his works in the world. And many came and many went, right? And yet, Satan's domain remained unchecked. Each that came and went found themselves just as under the curse and the power of sin as anyone else, it turns out. You think about Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, and we have the judges, and then Saul, and then David, and then Solomon, and then the kings all failed to deliver God's people 
fully and completely. All fell short. Enter the Son of God. No one like him ever came before. And none like him has come since. It was he who would appear to finally and definitively destroy the works of the devil because he alone, as the Son of God, was powerful enough to do it. Jesus gives us this amazing little brief two-sentence parable explaining this in Mark chapter 3, verse 27. He says, But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Now just think about the violence of that statement from Jesus. Jesus is essentially saying, just so we're clear, my goal here is to plunder the goods of a strong man who's protecting his house. And so if that's my goal, what must I do first? Well, I must neutralize and subdue the strong man first. Then I can take his stuff. How's that for a Christmas card? (laughs) Merry Christmas from the Crawfords. May your Christmas be filled with the violent plundering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to put that on our card this year. But that's an accurate depiction of what John is summarizing for us here. Jesus arrives on the scene to wage war. It's a campaign that begins with a landed invasion, the taking of ground and treasure and human souls, and ultimately ends with the toppling of a tyrannical regime. And John's encouragement to the saints here in verse 8 of chapter 3, should be clear to you tonight as you consider the reason for Jesus' appearing. The sin that once held you, like the chains of a prisoner, have been broken. And the jailer, the one who originally thought to lock you up and imprison you, he has been bound and subdued. You may walk out of your prison cell. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is from the devil, John says. If you love your sin and you love what sin can do for you and you just sort of let it have free reign over your life and your actions and your attitudes, then one day Jesus will oppose you too. But for right now, don't miss the message of Christmas. The strong man is bound and the offer is genuine from him. Lay down your sin. Lay down the chains and your allegiance to yourself, which is another way of saying your allegiance to the devil and receive the rule and the reign of the Son of God who has now appeared. Let all the earth receive her king. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The reason the Son of God appeared that night as a baby, lying in a manger, was to destroy the works of the devil. And it is for this that all Christians around the world rejoice in hope tonight. But if you are in in Christ tonight, that's actually not where the story ends for us. The victory that was announced on the night of Jesus' birth will one day be fully realized. For now, as John says, the works of the devil have been destroyed. But one day soon, the devil himself will be crushed Paul writes in Romans 16 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Whose feet? Ours. The church's. God's people will one day soon stand with Christ victorious over every power of darkness that once stood against us. What God promised and announced in the garden will finally and completely one day be fulfilled with us 
with the faithful. And it's all because of the landed invasion that God initiated 2,000 years ago through his son, Jesus Christ. So rejoice in hope this Christmas, church, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, because your Savior has arrived. He has bound a strong man. He is plundering his goods, and he has come to destroy the works of the devil so that one, may, one day he may finally be crushed beneath our feet. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the triumph of the Christmas celebration where you enacted salvation for your people by destroying the works of your enemy. We worship you tonight with gladness and great joy knowing that because of Jesus' appearing, we have been set free from the bondage of sin and death. We pray tonight that you would encourage our hearts, encourage all the hearts that are here tonight, draw all who hear the word and the songs that are sung tonight into the kingdom of the beloved Son, where Satan and darkness no longer have any dominion. And let us all, Lord, gladly lay aside our sin in pursuit of the King. It's in his name we pray tonight. Amen.